Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Romans 8, and I'm going to be reading verse 14 through 19, and I I think I gave uh, Brian the right translation. It says, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are, the son, these are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Father, we just thank you for your word today, God. We just ask you to bless this message uh, and your people in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk today about uh, sons and daughters uh, revealed, and uh, we think this is a this is an important uh, topic. Uh, we think this is something that you could talk about just about every week, um, because so many people don't realize who they are in Christ that they are a son and daughter of God. And uh, this this idea came to Heather while reading this passage of scripture, and uh, and I, I just wanted her to. Uh, I know some of you have heard part of her testimony before, and this is just a small part, but um, uh, we've only been here almost four months, so some of you are still getting to know us, and we're still getting to know you, and and so I just wanted her to share this on on Father's Day uh, with you today, and uh, and because this is just such a powerful topic, and we are literally prophecy being fulfilled, you know, and and when you think about it. we're just beginning to grasp and to broaden our scope on uh, of God as our Father and how good He is. And if we talked nonstop every single day for the rest of our lives about the goodness of God, we would just be scratching the surface of how amazing uh, He is. And uh, this prophecy is about the sons and daughters of God realizing who they are. But not just realizing who they are, but realizing who they are because of who their father is. Right. And that's how it is, uh, is for us. You know, this is, a, is an amazing example of us being God's kids. And I don't know about you, but when I go to my parents' house, uh, I know the code to get in their garage. I know the alarm code. I have my own key to their back door. I let myself in. And it's not very uncommon for me to go straight to the refrigerator or even I live next door, but sometimes I still go see if they have better snacks than we do at the house. So you'll go, I'll go straight to the pantry or something. Uh, sometimes before I say hello 
And uh, if I'm real busy, I might forget to say hello. I might just get what I need and leave. But uh, or sometimes with uh, Heather and Hannah, sometimes you just need to find a free restroom. We got uh, three of them in the house, but there's sometimes that's not enough. So uh, it, whatever, whatever the need is, I go to dad's house and uh, him and mom always let me in if I don't have my key. But if they're not there, I'm, I'm, I'm still fine. See, I'm, I'm comfortable because when I go to my parents' house, I know that whatever they have, I have. Right. It's mine. And uh, actually, when I moved out, because, you know, when you think that your parents, it's time to get away from them, that they, they're, they're just holding you back. <laughs> um, I moved out, and I think I, was about, I think I was 20. And when I moved out, I ran out of money real fast. But I still had a lot of friends, and so I had some friends coming over, and uh, they came over, and I told them, I said, man, I, I need to go get some groceries right fast, guys. And one of them said, uh, well, I'll ride with you. So we leave. My parents were out of town that weekend. They had gone to, a, uh, I think, a volleyball tournament with Jill. So I pulled into their yard, and the guy said, I thought we were going to the grocery store. I said, I didn't say anything about the grocery store. I said, we're going to go get some groceries. So I go in my, my mom and dad's house, and I get a grocery bag out from under the sink where she keep, keeps them. And uh, I just went to the pantry and filled it up. And, uh, and then that guy said, man, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I said, oh, no, it's fine. I get groceries from this place all the time. <laughs> and uh, I called my mom and let her know what I had done. But, uh, but I can just let myself in. I can just be myself. I can make myself at home. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. It's, our, it's the same way with everything that He's provided for us. You have a key. You can let yourself in. Jill just talked about it this morning. The key's inside of you. It's Christ, the hope of glory. He, he, God isn't keeping you out. He's not setting all these rules and expectations that you're never going to meet. You're His kid. You can make yourself at home with Him. You can be yourself with Him. And He's better than your earthly parents. Now, my parents are amazing. They're both great. Uh, but sometimes my mom hides stuff from us. For good reason, apparently. Uh, I've never heard of someone going grocery shopping with a grocery bag at their parents' house like that. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done it. But my mom, sometimes you'll find out that she's been hiding things like Klondike bars, uh, Reese cups, M&Ms, just things like that. You probably hid them from your kids, too. And she'll trick you because she'll put out a bag, but you won't know she's hid a second one somewhere else. Yeah, and if there's chocolate-covered cherries involved, you're not getting any of those. <laughs> but uh, God's not like that. He doesn't hide anything like that from us. He, he always has more than enough. He never runs out. And if anything's ever hidden, it's never hidden from us. It's right. hidden for us because right. there's something about the journey to receiving from God. And he wants us to have it all. He wants us to, to access it all. And this is something we've been talking about for a long time. So I feel like even though this is a truth that we probably should have grasped by now, I mean, the scripture says that the, the expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. So this is something that apparently is a little bit difficult sometimes for people to grasp 
or creation wouldn't be just eagerly waiting. But that's us. That's what we need to grasp hold of this truth because if, if we can grasp hold of the truth of who we really are, everything will change. Your life will be completely changed and it will just overflow to the people around you too. Everything will look different. Um, and the song No Longer Slaves, the, the part in the bridge, I, I know you guys probably have heard that song before, but it says he'll split the sea so we can walk right through it. Um, and that's talking about the children of Israel, what happened with them in Egypt. And I felt like when we were doing that song in the past, Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is what I believe that he shared with me. Just like the children of Israel, the waves are going to be used against the enemy. The enemy created a wave of the orphan spirit, but God will cause these waves to change to waves of sonship. As we sing, the waves will rise up as walls all around us, and these waves of sonship will crash in on those all around us. So God's doing the same thing today as he used to do then. It's just looking a little bit different. Now, if you've ever stood in front of the ocean, we're going to be going to the beach. Um, you watch the waves crashing in. They do seem incredibly powerful, and oftentimes I've gone boogie boarding with my kids, and I realize how powerful they can be. Um, but waves don't just happen. They start as a ripple, something so small, and then it grows and grows. And as each one of us begins to grasp our identity as God's kids, it will grow and grow and grow to a tidal wave of his presence. And that wave is coming. We believe that the next wave of revival is going to look like family. In a complete family, there are children. In some places, there are children, and that's exactly what the world needs. And we're not even just talking about physical children. Anybody, even if you don't have a physical child, you can have a spiritual child. Um, you can be a spiritual parent for someone. Now, we have a lot of counterfeit children running around because the enemy has been working really hard all around us. We know that. He has changed the family unit to be void of fathers everywhere you look. People are missing fathers. But instead of the church teaching the world what a father looks like, it's been reversed. We have taken our cues from the world. So we've taken the world's attributes of what a father looks like and we've attributed them to God the Father. We've made him to look absent, angry, uncaring, selfish, unloving. That's just not who he is. Imagine if we knew him as he was and that way we could teach the world what he really looked like. Imagine if we rose up. There are just, there's a lot, there are a lot of illegitimate children in the world, but there are also spiritually a lot of illegitimate children in the church. Mm -hmm. And it's a sad thing, but there have been people that they've been around the church for some of them for many churches for many years and they still don't know who their father is. And and those are the two biggest issues that a lot of people have uh, is it's an identity crisis. They don't know who their father is, and because of that, they don't know who they are. Our identity comes from the father. Now, uh, Heather and I have been fortunate to uh, have our kids go to a Christian private school since, I think since Hannah was in first grade and since Stephen was like in fourth grade. And, uh, but no school's perfect. There's problems that any school your kid will go to and uh, one of the issues that we've had at different times, uh, especially more so me, because uh, I don't know, I just have, I've never really liked school, if I'm being honest, so, uh, but that's just me. <laughs> so we would, uh, at a Christian school, a lot of times you get teachers that when they don't click with a kid, they like, uh, 
they get real religious on that kid all of a sudden, you know. Especially if they find he, out you're a he's pastor's no, kid. Yeah, when sure. you're a preacher's kid, you don't have a chance. You're no longer a kid having a bad day or a kid who's being disruptive or misbehaving or maybe even needs to get in trouble with their parent. You know, now all of a sudden you're a disappointment to God or something. You know, they, you know, they, they really throw the book at them hard. And I always have had a problem with that. Uh, I even, I've even had a discussion with one head of school over that. Uh, but anyways, so Stephen was having this issue, and he was in middle school, and uh, he was uh, probably mostly his fault. <laughs> but he kept having the issue in Bible class. It gets real bad in Bible class because they're, you know, if you're misbehaving while they're trying to teach you the Bible, you've got to be a disappointment to God. So they would really give it, give it to you. And it happened over and over until uh, some this other kid in the class started saying something to Stephen. And because the teacher would say something about, you, you should be behaving better than that. Your dad's a preacher. What do you think God thinks about you when you're acting this way? So, you know, and, you know, we might be, I don't know, maybe some of us are guilty of saying something like that to a kid. And uh, this kid looks at Stephen and says, man, your father must really be disappointed in you with the way you are. And so... A few weeks later, Stephen's telling me and Heather about it, and he's laughing. It hadn't bothered him a bit. It, it, not many things bother Stephen. But uh, the thing of it is, though, is Stephen knows his father. It never even weighed on his mind what the kid said, other than it being a joke. It just went right by him because he, he knows how I feel about him, and he knows that that wasn't true. Now, it upset me when I heard it. And uh, Heather, we, we sat down and talked to Stephen and, you know, reassured him, like, that kid has no clue what he's talking right. about. You know, uh, you're our son, you know, all this stuff with him. And he's just kind of laughing. Yeah, I know, Dad. But what if he didn't know? If he didn't know, probably what would have happened is he would have, it would have repeated over and over in his mind, right. over and over again. You're a he disappointment. Would have, you're he would have come home and probably gone to his room and avoided me. You've probably seen people do this to God. But he would have avoided me for a couple of days. I haven't changed. I'm the same father. Nothing's different about me. But because he's avoiding me, now he hasn't spent the same time with me. We haven't communicated in the same way. And about three days later, he's going to say, man, Dad really is disappointed in me. Right. He hasn't talked to me in three days. He hasn't spent any time with me. And Dad hadn't done nothing. Right. He's pulled himself away because he believed the lie of someone else instead of knowing who his father is and how his father feels about him. But see, people do this in the church all the time. They make a mistake or maybe they misbehave like he did in Bible class. For whatever reason it is, the enemy says, man, God will never use anybody like you. You're probably not even really saved. God's got to be so disappointed in you. There's no way you could be a child of God with that kind of thought running in your mind, with that kind of action that you just did. Man, you, I bet God is not only disappointed in you, he's angry at the way you're behaving. And so people start to pull away. And they start avoiding God. They don't, they don't try to look for communion with God. They don't go after the relationship with God. They think, I, God's upset with me. Right. So then after they pull away for a few days, weeks, months, maybe years, some people, then they start saying, I haven't heard from God and I don't know when. God hasn't, I haven't felt God's presence in my life like I used to. God hasn't changed. His love for you hasn't changed. He sent his son and Jesus died for you when you were still a sinner. So there's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less because he loved you when you were dirty, rotten, and, and, and miserable and on your way to hell. It, does, it doesn't change. God's love is perfect. What changes when we let the enemy build lies up, the Father never changes, but the way our relationship with the Father is does change. 
It can affect the way you see God, not the way God sees you. And so, but this didn't happen because Stephen knows who his father is. Right. He knows me. See, just imagine knowing our father in that same way. Just imagine the next time the enemy comes, because he's going to do it. And he tells you how terrible you are and how disappointed your father is. Imagine if, it, if you could just laugh at him the way Stephen laughed at that kid and kept right. aggravating the Bible teacher. Right. Don't keep doing whatever bad thing you might be doing, but don't let the enemy beat you up either. Know who your father is and who you are in Christ. And Aaron's response to that whole situation would have been completely different had he found out that Stephen, instead of laughing it off, had internalized that and beat himself up believing that lie. Aaron would have thought, why does he believe that about me? Why does he think that is something that I would think or something that I would feel? We as God's kids need to get to the point that whenever we hear a lie of the enemy about our father, we laugh. I mean, even if you physically have to do it, there have been times where that's happened to me and I was like, like, cause it's, just, I catch it in the middle of that lie because I know who my father is. And that's how we need to be as God's kids. Because just imagine what that feels like for him whenever he sees us believing a lie of the enemy about him. It's just not the way it should be. We should be able to catch that. We just need to realize and show the world that God is ever present, that he is kind, that he is compassionate, he is always faithful, and he is unselfish. We have to see who God really is for ourselves before we could ever start to show how he is to other people. Yeah, you're gonna, your greatest witnessing tool you'll have is what you show people, not always what you tell them. Right. Um, when Stephen was still in high school, uh, a lot of his buddies, whenever they're FaceTiming or snapping each other or whatever they're doing, they would always ask, uh, what is A. Will up to? That's some nickname they gave me. And uh, they would say, uh, they, would, they would want him to send, uh, like, bring the phone where me and Heather are at so they can say hey, hey to us. Uh, they'll come over to the house. And uh, now uh, Hannah's friends do it mostly with, with Heather. But every now and then they'll ask about me too. And, uh, but the, the strange thing is, is even when his buddies would come over, we might talk to them 30 seconds. Hey, how are y'all doing? We just leave them alone. We didn't try to be, because you know some people try to be the friends of their kids' friends. We didn't do that. We usually tried to stay away because we're like. And so, but what's funny is all their friends seem to like us. And uh, they act like they have relationship with us. And in a sense they do, but not really because it has nothing to do with us. Right. It is all because of the way we've been represented to them by our son and daughter. It has nothing to do with us being friendly, with us, anything like that. And we're not not friendly. Um, Depends on the day. Yeah, so, but it's all because of the way Stephen and Hannah have represented us to their friends. And so it makes their friends want to get to know us and want to have relationship with us. And it's going to be the same way for us with people when we represent the Father the right way. But you're never going to represent Him the right way until you know how He really is. And this probably feels really basic. I know we've probably you get the point that we're making, right? I mean, it feels like something that we should know by now, but for some reason in the church, I think this is still something that we're not quite grasping. Um, so Aaron asked me to share my testimony. Um, I generally have never enjoyed showing a lot of emotional vulnerability, so I apologize beforehand because I've already, you know, been experiencing Holy Spirit up here, so I've already been a crybaby this morning already. So if that happens, I'm sorry. 
Um, but since it's Father's Day, I want to talk about my dad. So my dad, he's not my biological father, but he's been in my life since I was 18 months old. And he loved me from that moment until today. He's taken care of me. He's provided for me, and he has always been the person that I run to whenever I'm having a breakdown. Thank you, Lord. That's not that often. But even to this day, as a 35-year-old, I usually call my dad first and Aaron second. I mean, it's just, it's just the way that it goes. You know, he's just so good at crises. But um, I don't know what I would have been like. I don't know what would have happened to me had he not come into mind in my mother's life. There's so many things I had no clue, though, that he did until I became a parent. My parents, I'm sure if you're a parent now, you heard that when you were younger. You'll, you'll be thankful for this when you're a parent. And when they said that, I would just, you know, whatever, but it's true. Um, the way he always loved me enabled me to do the same thing for my children. I chose to love my kids. It's a love that's stronger than anything that I've ever experienced simply because I chose to love them. And that, the way that I could do that was because he did that for me. That's part of my testimony. I didn't just choose Aaron. I chose my kids too. I chose to love them. And that's exactly how my dad said it was for him. He said he remembers seeing my mom at the Kroger, an actual grocery store, Kroger's. And, um, and he saw my mom and I was in the baby cart of the, the, of the grocery cart. And he said he fell in love with us both at the same time. Now think of that as a kid who, this isn't your blood dad, but you know and you hear all the time growing up that he chose me from that moment. That changes everything when you know that you are chosen. And I've always had a healthy relationship with the Lord. When I, my parents got saved when I was eight, I came to know him myself at 12. And ever since then, I had a great relationship with the Lord. I had a great relationship with my dad. And I didn't feel like I had a void. I didn't feel like anything was missing. I had my earthly father, my heavenly father, and everything was good. And Aaron, um, he didn't come from a broken home, so sometimes he would ask me questions wondering, you know, if there was anything that I ever felt like was missing, if I ever felt like I had a void. And I would always tell him, no, I've, I'm good. Everything's good. Like, the minute I married Aaron, my family grew exponentially. So I had no voids at all. Everything was just overflowing, completely full. And I, I knew everything was fine. Um, so Aaron and I went to a conference, a church conference for ministers in um, Texas. And it was a gateway conference. And one of the speakers, one of the nights was Jimmy Evans. And he is known for speaking about marriages and about healthy emotions and overcoming trauma and, and broken feelings and those kinds of things. And that night specifically, he was talking about his father and his relationship with his father, sharing his testimony. And the whole time he was speaking, I felt like bolting for the back door. I mean, I was so uncomfortable. It was like I literally was sitting there praying, like, Lord, is there some sin in my life? I have no clue what, what that's there. I mean, it was that kind of uncomfortable. I, I've never felt like that in a service, but I wanted to run out the back door and not come back. And so, you know, I just kind of shook it off because I prayed and I couldn't think of anything, you know, that was any worse than any other day, I guess. <laughs> but, um, but then we went to another conference a few months later. How long was it after? About six months. About six months. Um, and this conference was in Atlanta. And it was a really good conference, but it was thrown by a different church. And um, Holy Spirit moved in that, those kind of services in a different way as the other one. It was just as much Holy Spirit, but I mean, 
in this conference, he was wild. It was in a hotel, and that was always really funny to see people who were just staying in the hotel, and then what their reaction would be to people in the hallway. Well, they would, they would start having service before you got into the banquet hall, which means that they started praying for people in the lobbies and in the hallways, and people were being slain in the spirit. And uh, people that were trying to check in that weren't there for the conference were scared to death. And they were having to step over, you know, There's step like over bodies. There's bodies laying everywhere. Yeah, it was, it was wild. I mean, and it was, it was really fun. There was one point where they had, uh, for some reason, I don't know why they did it before service, but the, the guy putting on the conference had shown up early and everybody lined up outside the room and people just were boom, 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 boom. They were dropping down the down the whole line like dominoes. And uh, the businessmen were walking by carrying their bags. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, this night yeah, it got it got so it crazy got in a crazy. hallway jammed up that uh, um, I'd already let them pray for me three times and I hadn't fallen down yet. So I decided that I was just good. I was. Let's I, do that one more time. I was supposed to be, you know, I was supposed to be the guy to help people keep from getting hurt. So that's what I was doing helping people that were falling out until uh, uh, they started getting too close to Heather. So then I had to start knocking them back out of the way. And uh, I figured it wasn't going to hurt them if they were really in the spirit. So they just go in there getting redirected to the other direction. And uh, we wound up wedged in between, between a trash can yeah, and the corner I had, of the room. I was the trash can right here, and I literally had no ground to step anywhere. So I rescued Heather from the corner. And, you know, slid a couple bodies out of the way and got us a space over on the wall. And then that's when... Uh, yeah, because Aaron and I, I mean, we, we love Holy Spirit, but we generally don't fall. I mean, everyone around us will fall. We'll go dad, through the same line and they'll fall. Dad falls before they ever even lay hands on him. Yeah, I mean... They're five feet coming, just coming toward him and he's out. I don't know if it's, you know, if he, he don't really like germs. So I don't know if that's why he don't want them to lay hands on him. <laughs> He just yields to the spirit real quick if he's about to get laid hands on. But I mean, he's hit. For some reason, though, I just. We just, well, I don't know what it is. Watch the next service, we both fall out. But I mean, generally, that's not what happens. So we usually end up watching people, um, you know, praying for them, smidge jealous that they're out, we're not. But anyways, so at that, that specific night, that specific conference, I ended up sitting on the floor against a wall. I mean, I guess I had gotten tired from standing for so long. I don't know. But an older man was sitting beside me. And so we were both doing the same thing. And he made eye contact with me. And he asked if he could talk to me and said, sure, no problem. And he said that he told me that he believed that there were some hurts and issues of unforgiveness in my heart towards a man that I needed to let go of. And you know how sometimes there have been people who have prayed for you? I mean, you let them pray for you, but you felt like they were kind of off. Like, you know, they weren't really hearing the voice of the Lord, but they were enjoying themselves, so you just let them do it. And that's kind of what I felt like was happening in that moment. Nothing came to my mind. But then he said, there was a man in your life that hurt you, and he never asked you for forgiveness for what he did. So please... If you would let me tell you for him, I am so sorry for the hurt that I've caused you. Would you please forgive me and let this go? Y'all, I mean, in that moment, and I mean, and in, in, in it's important to note, he didn't, you know, lay hands on my forehead and yell these things over me. I think he just touched my hand, you know, just like a dad would. And he just spoke to me. Holy Spirit moves in different ways. 
We don't have to put him in, you know, an emotional box. That's not always how he works. Sometimes it's in the stillness. Sometimes it's in the quiet. Sometimes it's in the intimate moments. Just you and someone else. I mean, and he, he just touched my hand and asked for forgiveness. And at that moment, and Aaron was there, I mean, I, I honestly... I lost myself, y'all. I mean, my heart, I, my heart started beating so fast in my chest. I've never experienced anything like it. And I, I don't know if I ever will again. But it was almost like I was having surgery, but I was awake. And in my heart, I mean, I started sobbing. And I knew something was happening. I knew there was a work going on in my heart. And at that moment, I realized, even though I was unaware of it, I had carried unforgiveness in my heart towards my biological father for 27 years. So imagine having something going on in your body for 27 years that has to come out. I mean, it was, it was a pretty strong reaction. And even at that point, I didn't even really grasp what had happened. I didn't realize that there was anything holding me back until it was gone. And when that happened, I felt like a huge weight had been lifted off of me. And there's no other way to describe it other than freedom. And I, I, I tell Aaron, you know how that movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I've mostly everybody watched it. That, that moment where he says that his heart grew 10 sizes, that's what it felt like happened. My ability to worship changed. My ability to look at God was completely different. And that's life-changing. When there's something that's gone, you had no idea was there. It was like whenever you get contact lenses or glasses, you realize all the things that you hadn't seen yet. It changes everything. Your perspective of who you are, when the Father looks at you, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It was as if I was all the way I was always intended to be. Not someone who had been abandoned. Not someone who was insecure, always trying to find my place. Not someone who is always constantly trying to be perfect because I didn't realize subconsciously I felt like I had to be perfect or someone would leave me because I wasn't going to be good enough. But I was who I was, a daughter, full-fledged, not halfies, a full daughter. God delivered me in that moment, and that's how good he is. I didn't even realize I needed deliverance. But he looked down that night, and he saw me, and he's like, yep, it's time it's time for that to be gone. And he wants to do the same thing for you. So do you struggle ever with any of these things? Do you ever struggle with feeling abandoned or alone? Do you ever struggle with feeling overly sensitive, isolated? Do you have a me against the world mentality? Do you ever struggle with feeling insecure or have bitter thoughts or feelings? Because I realized that I struggled with some of these things, but these are characteristics that are often found in orphans. If you struggle with any of these things, now is the time to let them go. Now, you may think my story doesn't sound like that. I grew in a, up in a picture-perfect family. I had both my parents. I never was abandoned or left, but there's something about it, though, that you do struggle sometimes with these feelings. Something may have scarred you. Something may have happened that stirred up these feelings in you. It doesn't matter what your situation is. God wants you to be freed. He's not going to give me something and hold it back from you. That's just not the way that he is. When God freed me, my relationship even with my earthly father was different. 
it was almost like letting go of those hurts and unforgiveness led me to see even more how awesome he is. Because I don't have to be that person who tries to be perfect just to win his approval. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do fall back into some of those habits that I had of trying to be perfect, but then I realize I don't have to be. He loves me anyway. Because truthfully, that moment he said he saw me as an 18-month child, who knows as an 18-month child what you're going to be? You don't know how successful you're going to be when you're a baby. You don't know what you're going to accomplish. You don't know what your personality is going to be like. He didn't know any of those things, but he chose to love me anyway. And that's exactly how the father is because he chose you before you were even a thought in your mother's head. Before you were even in her womb, he chose you. He called you his. He doesn't have orphans. That's just, that's nothing when he looks at you. He only sees his children. You are his beloved. You are his chosen. He chose you. Like, that's just a truth. We just want to sink in your spirit. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to wonder if you belong somewhere because you always have a place in his family and at his table. And there's a freedom in knowing where you belong because you always, no matter what, no matter what people do, no matter what maybe hurts that you have experienced in the church from man, no matter what you have gone through, you always belong with the Father. So this happened, um, we went to Texas about a little over eight years ago, and um, then we went to Atlanta after that. Well, about four years later, uh, we were going to a conference in Pennsylvania. I told you we've been to a lot of conferences. So uh, it, was a, it was a rough trip just getting there. We drove there, and uh, we're tired. We get there in this, this conference. Uh, it was going to be a lot of uh, a great people there, but... It was really packed because this year they had somehow lined up Benny Hinn was going to be there one night, and uh, they they um, they they had to they brought in a lot of stuff because of that. So we get there and uh, we're kind of you know tired from the trip and all, and we're looking around and I look across the room and I see that guy, and I said, "Hey, there's Gerald." She I said, "Who?" Who's Gerald? I said, that guy from Atlanta who talked to you that, that night when we were in the hallway. She said, I don't think that's him. I said, that's got to be him. I'm, I'm going to go, let's go over there. So we walk over there and Gerald looked, he just looked tired. Uh, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if it's from the trip. I don't know if it's from things in life, but he did not look to me. And it could have just been that one day, but he didn't look like the same, uh, I guess, it, it, person that he looked like four years ago he looked like he had been through some stuff and uh, I went up and he had his name tag on and it was Gerald so I knew I had it right <laughs> so I said uh, there's only one Gerald in the whole wide world I said hey uh, I said hey I don't know if you remember us or not but we met you in Atlanta he said no I don't believe I do um, you know, and we said well there was a night when everything got crazy and we wound up out in the hallways with people laid everywhere and we were against the wall and you spoke to my wife and you asked her to forgive you uh, in place of a man who had hurt her at some time and all that. And he said, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. And uh, I said, well, I just wanted you to know what the difference it made in her life. And uh, then Heather spoke to him a minute. Everything changed on the way he looked. Mm -hmm. He started introducing us to the people that he had come there with. You know, these are some friend, friends I met in Atlanta. <laughs> And then he, uh, I told Heather, I'm almost convinced he in introduced us to two or three people he didn't even know. Yeah. And uh, every time I saw Gerald, he was, he looked like a different man. 
In fact, I saw him later that night. I guess maybe, I don't know if it's because Benny Hinn was going to be there or not, but he was blowing on somebody that he was praying for. And uh, like he looked like he was back fired up. And uh, that's the thing about being sons and daughters. It means we're part of the family. Right. And when you're part of the family, one time it may be that you need encouragement and another time it may be that you give encouragement. And we didn't do anything, you know, spectacular. It just, just we, we just told him, we just gave, saying thank you can do a whole lot for people. And, uh, well, and just to add, because that whole hundred year vision, was it a hundred year or was it a thousand year? How? Hundred. Hundred year vision. Now I am a part of Gerald's hundred year vision. The way that the Lord uses me in the, for the rest of my life and the impact on my children and my children's children. That's a part of his 100-year vision, and he didn't even know in that moment that that's what was happening. So sometimes you're not going to see the fruit just whenever you speak to someone, but you have no idea what that encounter is going to do to change their life and their children. Yeah, and it's important that we be who God's called us to be because uh, Jill and I were talking yesterday when uh, we were waiting on everyone about the rafting trip, and uh, she was talking about a, a point that uh, Steve Bachlin made that we both like listening to him talk. And uh, he was talking about how everybody's so focused on this stuff in the church, uh, but we neglect what the real problems are that people are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, especially, you know, everybody wants it to be this big, uh, I think I said this to you, but I, everybody wants it to be this big, giant, demonic problem with things. But most people, what they're struggling with is discouragement and hopelessness and uh, those things that we all face. And that's where we can help one another out by just being, by saying thank you, by just being an encourager. See, the amazing thing about God is that he promises that if we will give him the ashes of our lives, that he will exchange them for his beauty. He tells us that. And that's for everyone. That's for all of us. It doesn't matter how big your pile of ashes may be. It doesn't, your ash heap may be huge. It doesn't change it. See, the problem is there are a lot of people out there that are still identifying with their ashes instead of identifying with his beauty. That's good. They don't know their identity because of that. They're still identifying with the past. And um, we have been adopted into the family of God, and through Jesus, we should now be identified with him from our Father. Uh, Brian, can you put up that scripture from verse 15? For you, did not re- for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Is there one more? Or is that both of them? Yeah, the, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So you have not just been forgiven of your sins. You've been adopted into the family of God. Mm. There's a really big difference uh, in that. See, part of Heather's story that, uh, well, I'll let you tell it too, but when she's told me over and over different times when we talk about this, that the day that she finally was adopted by her dad, and uh, the thing about it is he would have adopted her day one, but there was a process that he had to go through, and there was some hang-ups that took place that took them years to get it taken care of and uh, but she talks about that very next day when she went to school and got to write the name Thompson on her paper 
the difference that it made uh, uh, in her life. And go ahead, you, you, tell, you can say a little bit about it. It's like he just said just enough to get me emotional. It's like, here you go. Um, but no, so, you know, obviously when you're not someone's kid yet, you have a different last name. And so I would often feel a little bit of shame about that, to be honest with you, just because, not because of anything my parents did, but because they had a different last name than I did. So that always led to questions about who, you know, my attachment to them or my belonging to them because they had a different last name. And um, so every time that would come up with someone, well, well, why is her last name different from your last name? And my dad would always introduce me, this is my daughter. And then that would always lead to questions. Well, so I, I didn't realize how much that that kind of bothered me until, um, until he told me it was official and until he told me that, you know, yep, it happened. It's, it's legal now. You're my, you're my kid. You're my daughter. And y'all, I had been practicing signing my last name <laughs> for a really long time because when I got it, I was going to get it right. Um, and when I went to school that next day and was able to sign the same last name as my dad, man, I felt different. I felt like a different person because we shared the same last name. And it took a long process to get there, but the process that was done to bring you into the family has already been done. It's just taking you signing the right last name and realizing who you are. Yeah, so the question I want to leave with you to think about for this week. So if what if after all that Heather's dad did, all that he went through, all the money it cost him, the time it cost him, um, and just uh, I guess a lot of the things that went wrong that they had to do over and over again to finally get it taken care of, what if she would have gone to school the next day and didn't use that name? What if a couple weeks later she'd have brought home some of her schoolwork work, and he would have seen the old name still on the paper and would have seen that the date was obviously after he had given her a brand new name? See, God has given every person in here that's accepted Christ a brand new name. You're part of the family of God. You're a new creation. The question is, are you still identifying with the old self? When the Father sees the way that you're doing life, what name are you doing life under? Are you doing it under the name this world has given you or maybe your past has given you? Or are you using the new name that He's given you as a son or a daughter of God? See, it, everything about ministry doesn't have to be difficult. It's about the simple things of how we represent the Father. Knowing who our Father is, knowing who we are in Him, being the son and daughter that He's called us to be and letting others see just how amazing that He is. And so that's our prayer for you today is that just a simple prayer that you would use the name that the Father's given you. That when everything that you do in life, you would be representing him, him well and people will see how amazing your Father is and how important he is, is to you. And what you think about him, because that's what you're revealing to people with everything that you do. I'm sorry. I do want to say one thing, but it's quick. So Aaron, on his birthday, he started making it a habit of not getting a birthday present himself. He wants to go buy birthday presents for the kids. And it's usually not even just our kids. It's Michelle's kids and Jill's kids. Um, and, and his birthday present is seeing them open up their presents. 
And that's that's really all I could think about this morning when I was getting ready was today's Father's Day and God's the perfect father, but he's kind of like Aaron, that he likes to give you presents on his day. So if any of these things you felt resonate, you know, in you, any of these experiences I had, um, what happened for me can happen for you. All right, so let's pray. Father, you are so good. We are so thankful for you. Your goodness is incredible. The things that you've done for us blow our mind. Lord, I ask you to please touch your people. Lord, if any of these things that I went through, they're going through, if there's any unforgiveness that they have to receive, if there's any kind of, or, from, or any forgiveness they have to receive, Lord, any unforgiveness that they're holding inside of themselves, Lord, I ask you to please let them be freed from that. Lord, if there's any residual pain that they're going through because of past experiences with imperfect people, I ask you to please deliver them from that, Lord. I ask you to let them step into freedom. Let their new life start. I know that we're saved. I know we're your kids. But Lord, give us that fresh perspective of who we really are in you so that we can show the world how good you are, so we can be that reflection of you that we were meant to be. Lord, I ask you to give them extra blessings this week. Lord, overflowing full of glory, full of joy, full of your goodness, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.